This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Friday afternoon, March 24th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. You know, sometimes there's more to life than just money. We'll explain that in our next segment. But right now, investors are concerned that Deutsche Bank might be the next to need help following the emergency rescue of Credit Suisse by UBS. Joining us with the latest is Dick Beauvais, financial strategist for the New York-based Odeon Capital Group. Dick, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Is this thank a you, is this a balance sheet crisis? Is this a crisis of confidence, or in this case, is it a distinction without a difference? Well, I think you know worries about Deutsche Bank are, are much overdone, uh, according to Mark Twain, uh, because basically it's it's a healthy bank. It has good profits. It has gone through, you know, uh, literally 15 years of uh, restructuring and improvement. So I, I don't think there's any risk that uh, Deutsche Bank is in trouble or will need any assistance from anyone. Um, I do think, however, that uh, there were three developments in the past uh, 24 hours which basically have uh, negatively impacted bank stocks. The first one was, you know, Credit Suisse, you know, uh, or the Swiss government, I should say, you know, uh, told the um, uh, in, the investors in something, I'm going to call it the preferred stock of Credit Suisse, that they wouldn't get any money back uh, once uh, Credit Suisse, you know, merged with uh, UBS. And, you know, that, that you know, cut off, if you will, a funding source for all banks in Europe because people now don't want to buy those types of uh, instruments called AT1s. Uh, The second event was that Janet Yellen appeared to back off from the promise to back all the deposits in the United States. And the third was the Federal Reserve released its balance sheet. And in that balance sheet, uh, they showed that they, the Federal Reserve, was actually borrowing money in the reverse repo market to put into salvaging banks in the United States. So all of these developments, you know, suggested that the banking industry in the United States is weak. It suggested the Federal Reserve is weak. And and basically, I think it created this uh, downward move in bank stocks. I just, just would like to reiterate from my personal point of view, the banking industry in the United States is not weak. It is not in trouble. It is sound and is safe as as Jerome Powell said it was. Uh, The problem that that investors in banks face is not, you know, that there's a massive problem in the banking industry. It's that, you know, the actions that will be taken by government over the next years, uh, over the next year, are going to hit bank earnings really hard, and banks are going to produce very weak earnings for the remainder of 2023, and that's the issue that investors need to worry about. And then very quickly, Dick, uh, this 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 uh, 
issues of, of confidence regarding the, the, the banking system and the tightening credit conditions. And this was something that Jay Powell touched on a couple of days ago. Uh, the tightening credit conditions, uh, making it more difficult to lend money, uh, is, would that take the place of several interest rate hikes? Well, I, I think I think it will. I think that uh, th- there may be an interest rate hike, but you know, I doubt that it's going to be uh, you know multiple interest rate hikes. But I don't think interest rates are going to come down either. But I do think that you're going to see that banks are now going to have to raise more capital in the open markets. That's going to restrict their lending capability. That's going to hit the U.S. economy. And I think I think we're headed now more clearly to a recession than was the case, we'll say, a week ago, uh, because th- these banks are going to have to look to internal issues to make themselves acceptable to the Fed, uh, as opposed to looking toward seeing how they're going to expand lending to assist the economy. Dick Beauvais, financial strategist for the New York-based Odeon Capital Group. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, we'll look at important questions about saving for retirement. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. If you've ever wondered if it's okay not to save for retirement, you may be surprised at the answer. Here to explain is Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Ed, thank you for joining us today. So many of our personal investing segments on this program, Ed, are devoted to saving for retirement, how to do it, what are the milestones, whether or not it's too late. And so talking about times when it's appropriate to not save for retirement may seem counterintuitive. Absolutely, Rob. I mean, you've got a couple of different camps here. One is as as people go along their lifeline and, and their progress, there are times when putting money just away for retirement isn't in your best financial interest in the long run. And one of those in particular is if you're sitting on a lot of consumer debt, if you look at where the average credit card rate is right now, the interest rate, is, it's a little bit over 24%. You can't get that anywhere investing in a guarantee. So that would definitely be one of the areas where you pull your monies, let's say, from long-term retirement savings into paying down that debt just to get that solid financial foothold. And, and also, uh, you know, while, while you're squirreling away for retirement, uh, if you don't have a rainy day fund, uh, that may present its own set of problems down the road. Yeah, and if you look at a lot of retirees, Robin, that's a good point about that emergency day fund. But a lot of retirees, they, they tend to worry more about the future. So that that worry, right, sitting on their savings due to fear of the unknown is generally a more overriding emotion than spending for enjoyment. So you've got folks who may have an emergency fund and then have a huge emergency fund, and they're not spending because of just the fear of the unknown. And that's where kind of balancing life out is really important because, again, if you're just saving money for the next generation, they may not be as good of stewards of your money as you've been for yours. And then as you meet with a lot of clients, I mean, I've talked to a lot of financial planners and they say this is as much a psychology job as it is dollars and cents. And uh, when you talk to some people who really are assiduous about saving money for retirement to the detriment of all other things, uh, what kind of life events inform that decision making? Well, all of us have our own money DNA. And so we were raised in different households and such. And and I think that is one of the biggest elements of what we do with our clients, Rob, is it is that psychological 
component because it's that unknown, right? Life is unknown. It's, it's volatile. It changes all the time. And so, you know, sitting down with a certified financial planner, creating that comprehensive plan, again, not just someone telling you what stocks are fun to choose, can be quite beneficial from not only a financial inspe- uh, aspect, but also that psychological one that you've, that you've kind of outlined. Kind of knowing is important rather than sitting in the unknown that creates so much financial stress. You always hear these stories about people who uh, they were kids during the Great Depression and they remember the financial stress their parents were under. So they didn't trust banks growing up. And you hear stories about people passing away and then all of a sudden you find uh, dollar, you know, wads of dollar bills stashed away here, there, everywhere, because that's where they save their money. And are you finding that, are you dealing with younger clients that, you know, their financial DNA uh, may have been informed by the Great Recession and watching their parents go through hardship 15 years ago. That's an excellent point, Rob, because I do meet with younger clients, and that is definitely, depending on their age, in their mindset, that things can go bad quickly. And so for a group of them, again, similar to depression-era clients, it wasn't that dramatic. We didn't obviously go through a depression, but they saw the stress, whether it was themselves or in their parents, and that has sort of marked themselves as trying to save more for those unknown future events that happen, which, again, is not a bad thing. But to your point, it's that balance. You want to save some, obviously, for the future, but don't forget to spend some and enjoy life along the way. Ed Jertson, Certified Financial Planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, a look at a rooftop bar that's set to open in May and provide unparalleled views of Chicago. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A downtown hotel is preparing to open its rooftop bar on or around May 1st, weather permitting. Joining us now with the preview is Anderson Foote, general manager of the Hyatt-centric Loop Chicago, home of the Air Rooftop Bar. It's at 100 West Monroe, kitty corner from the old Bell Federal Savings uh, weather forecasting bell and uh, right next to the uh, Chase Bank Tower. And uh, Anderson, thanks for joining us today. And, uh, you know, you're, you're your, your establishment is located in a part of the loop that is very interesting to follow because there are some portions of downtown Chicago where, and I'm sure you know this too, uh, you see 2019 style crowds on Friday afternoon or over the weekend. It looks like old times, but there are some other portions of Chicago where there are a lot more offices and office workers where that renaissance hasn't happened yet. So how do you make that work, especially on days like today on a Friday when a lot of people are working from home? Uh, well, that's a good question. Question, you know, obviously right now we're still in the planning stages for air, but you know, last year gave us a lot of confidence. We did really well last year, and uh, the local community uh, came back for us, and uh, we're planning on a similar sort of robust return to happy hours next year, or this year, I suppose. 
I mean, we, we've already answered the question, will people go back to hanging out together? I think that has been answered uh, definitively. The answer is yes. People enjoy being in each other's company. And uh, But you know, the, the happy hour that used to be uh, office workers congregating, uh, kind of a, a difficult uh, square to circle these days because Friday is the day everyone works from home. So uh, how can you sell the attractiveness of downtown Chicago if you're not there? Well, I think what we're finding is that when companies are planning these happy hours, that people are coming into the office for the day for those happy hours. So, you know, it used to be we would talk about Thirsty Thursdays or Fridays. Well, you know, really any day can be Thirsty Thursday if the if the happy hour is planned appropriately. It's Thirsty Thursday somewhere is what you're trying to say. <laughs> right. And uh, But I've also noticed, too, especially during the summer months, once the temperature changes, those are uh, walking down Randolph to the train on a Friday afternoon, a lot of people are out. And uh, some of them are loop office workers, but a vast majority of them are tourists from out of town. So I'm sure you're hoping to uh, earn their business and keep them at the, at the hotel and make sure they're, they go to air for a drink or two. Yeah, of course. You know, we, we have a, a large, robust business from our local neighbors that uh, bring us happy hour, but also we're looking to cater to those tourists and, you know, create some memorable moments and some great views of the lake and uh, some Instagram-worthy uh, content. And then on top of that, I mean, it's not just uh, attracting office workers. Uh, you know, the, the Loop was the fastest-growing neighborhood in Chicago in recent years. A lot of people moving downtown. They are permanent residents. So uh, it's not just a, a tourist place or a happy hour place. I mean, there's a real good chance that air could become uh, the cheers for people who live downtown as opposed to just work there. Yeah, that's right. We're seeing a lot of uh, growth in the residential market right in our, you know, five, six block radius that we think is really going to help us out as well. And we're looking forward to welcoming those people into the establishment as well. And then uh, it's not just the ambiance, of course. Uh, You know, how are you able to position your business to uh, uh, adapt to changing trends when it comes to uh, trendy cocktails or beer or wine? Yeah, we've got uh, we do a lot of work with our partners, and uh, we do a lot of research on industry trends. And we've got some great cocktail menus and some food menus that are coming up. And in addition to that, we've spent about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in improvements to the bar uh, in the off season, and we're really looking forward to uh, showing those off to our customers. Anderson Foot, general manager of the Hyatt Centric Loop Chicago on Monroe. It's the home of Air, a rooftop bar opening around May first. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead, Entrepreneur Friday will introduce you to a business aimed at providing wellness and healing in Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. U.S. military forces in Syria have responded to yesterday's drone attack that killed a U.S. contractor, along with wounding five service members and another contractor. A large number of dogs found in northwest Indiana are now in the care of a no-kill shelter in suburban Northbrook. On this Entrepreneur Friday, we'll introduce you to a Chicago business looking to help with wellness and healing.
healing. Plus, the latest polls ahead of the upcoming April 4th election show the Chicago mayoral race in a statistical tie. WBBM business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is up 29 points. The NASDAQ is down 30. The S&P 500 is up 3.5. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, the U.S. military carried out multiple airstrikes in Syria last night against Iran-aligned groups. The details from the BBC's David Harper. The Pentagon said the strikes were in response to a drone attack on Thursday, which killed a U.S. contractor and injured five American soldiers. Intelligence officials determined the aircraft to be Iranian in origin. The Pentagon statement said there had been a spate of recent attacks against U.S.-backed coalition forces in Syria by groups affiliated with Iran. It said the airstrikes were intended to protect and defend American troops. The Army General who heads CENTCOM says U.S. troops have come under attack by Iranian-backed groups about 78 times since the beginning of 2021. 43 small breed dogs and 48 cats discovered by firefighters in a northwest Indiana home this week. And all the dogs have now been safely received by a no-kill animal rescue in Northbrook. Hi, not to wake you up early, but we have a situation. We have over 40 chihuahuas that we're going to be looking to place. Harley Garcia, executive director for Border Tales Rescue, received that call from Animal Control Tuesday morning. She tells WBBM that she immediately began thinking of ways to take in a few at her shelter until she saw pictures of the dogs and the horrendous condition inside the home. As soon as I saw the pictures, I was like, all right, it's go time. We're just going to do it all. We can take all of them. And within 24 hours, we were on the road to go pick them up at animal control. She says it's clear to her now that none of the dogs have ever received any sort of attention or medical care. And with shots, spay and neuter, and other intake care, it'll cost the shelter about $500 per rescued dog. A link to a fundraiser for that care can be found on the WBBM website, along with pictures of the dogs. Brandon Eisen, 105.9 WBBM. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Stocks are trading mixed today. Joining us with the latest on moving Wall Street is Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director of Clearstead Advisors in New York. Jim, thank you for joining us today. And it appears the investors have uh, shaken off the sell-off from earlier in the session. Yeah, it started out with a little bit of a panic about uh, Deutsche Bank and wondering whether we were going to go through a Credit Suisse experience uh, all over again. And uh, as as analysts took out their pencils and and analyzed the Deutsche Bank situation, uh, th- there's not a lot of similarity. And so the, the com started to uh, return to the markets. But we are going to have a few weeks of uncertainty here. You know, the Fed has basically said where they are. Uh, basically at at peak or within 25 basis points of peak, and then going to stay there for the rest of the year uh, based on what they know now. And the markets are saying that uh, uh, the Fed is wrong, that the uh, cre- you're getting significant cre- credit tightening as we speak, that community and regional banks around the country are going to try to shore up their balance each and cut back lending, which is going to reduce credit to small businesses, and that uh, we're going to have a, a softening in business activity as a result of uh, uh, this increasing uh, credit tightness, and therefore the Fed's going to have to turn around and reverse and start lowering rates uh, as early as in June. And the market's actually pricing in over 100 basis points of rate cuts between now and uh, uh, the end of the year. So there's a difference between the markets and the Fed. 
this happened earlier in the year, and the Fed won, and the markets came up to where the Fed was. So we have to wait and see. It, uh, the, the next major piece of event will be corporate earnings in April. I was going to say, I mean, our, there's our, a lot of money has already been lost betting against the Fed in 2023. So it's very interesting to see them line up and say once again, hey, you know, uh, Jay Powell is saying one thing, but we'll do another. Yeah, and and you know the, the the Fed has been right and wrong in the past. I mean, they were they were very wrong in uh, staying too easy for too long, and they were very right in uh, leaning against the market to say we have more to go to to uh, curb inflation. But there is a there is a, a school of thought that says that the economy is going to cool rapidly here, that the inflation data that the Fed is looking at is re- rearward looking and that the forward-looking and real-time inflation numbers are coming down, and that uh, uh, because of the fragility of many of the uh, uh, regional banks around the country, that the, Fed, the Fed's going to have to uh, uh, change course. The, the, truth, the truth may be in between, that it's, it's not as bad as the pessimists think, and, and the economy is not as strong, and inflation is not as strong as the Fed thinks. Uh, and we're not, we're not going to know for a while, but we should, we should know in a few months. And again, let me reemphasize that what corporations say in April, as they report earnings about their forward-looking guidance, should be key uh, to both the Fed and the markets. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next on this Entrepreneur Friday, a look at a Chicago business that looks to provide wellness and healing. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and we're featuring a look at a social wellness enterprise aimed at providing healing and transformation. Joining us now is Aya Nicole Cook, owner and wellness curator, at the Haji Healing Salon, 4448 South Cottage Grove in the Bronzeville neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. Aya, thank you for joining us today. And this is a journey for you that began six years ago in your house, and it has evolved ever since. So what was the what was the aha moment for you? Great day, Rob. Thank you for having me. Uh, the aha, aha moment was actually when I was diagnosed with an illness, and I knew I needed to go deeper into my own um, my own wellness journey. And so I was already a yoga teacher, and I started to integrate other forms of wellness into my life. And then I started to be really curious about what it what it would take to hold space for other people to have those same kind of experiences. And then uh, you know, from, from your own kind of journey of, of self-discovery, how did you uh, pivot over to uh, helping other people and talking to other people about it and saying that this could be beneficial for you as well? Yeah, I've been a yoga teacher for 15 years, so I've been very invested in community and in, um, in offering community experiences. And you know, I'm really a people person in general. Um, but I had started to integrate acupuncture and Reiki, which is a form of energy healing, into my own care. And I was speaking with a lot of folks who were having a, a lot of different health issues, and they were curious about my journey. And so um, I was able to start offering acupuncture with my own acupuncturist. She was willing to um, you know, bring her practice and expand it to offer it to my community as well. So I started offering yoga and acupuncture. It was very uh, guerrilla style, kind of, you know, literally from my house because I didn't have a space. But then we eventually graduated to our first brick and mortar. Um, and then now we're in our second location, which is in Bronzeville. 
And and you so you began in Chatham. That was the uh, first brick and mortar location, and now you're at Forty uh, Fourth and Cottage Grove. What's it like as a small business owner to watch something go from an idea that you had to a physical space, and then moving to a much larger physical space? Yeah, it's been an incredible journey. It's been so humbling. Um, it's taken a lot of tenacity, a lot of commitment, and discipline. Uh, you know, it certainly hasn't always been easy, but the rewards have been tremendous. We hold space for, I would say, hundreds of people, you know, each month who come through and experience the the classes and services that we offer. And the beautiful thing about the expanded space in Bronzeville is that now we also offer an herbal and botanical apothecary. So we're able to sell herbs to the people. We're able to sell houseplants, candles, incense. Um, you know, essential oils, all the things that go along with a healing lifestyle. So I feel we've added a lot more value uh, with this expansion. In, in Bronzeville, do you see yourself as more than just a small business owner? Do you kind of view your business as a citizen of the community as well? Oh, absolutely. I actually live here in Bronzeville as well. I collaborate with a number of different business owners that are right around me. Um, you know, it's, it feels very much like a family of businesses. I did a lot of I do a lot of work with the Quad Community Development Corporation as well, and they were the people who invited me to occupy this new this new space. And so I'm part of a collective of small business owners that are there in the mall where my business is located, and it includes the Bronzeville Winery, Sarah Quinifu is a clothing a clothing store, Fortune House is an art house, and um, QBC is a facial uh, place that's on the corner. So we all really support each other, and it's just been such a beautiful experience. And if you're not familiar with the Bronzeville neighborhood, I mean, the blocks of that particular neighborhood are just, there's history everywhere you go, whether it's architectural history, cultural history, political history, it's all on display in the neighborhood. So uh, how do you feel about being part of the vibrancy of Bronzeville? You know, that's a really big thing for me, Robin. I'm glad that you're speaking about that. Uh, my grandmother, my great-grandmother lived here in Bronzeville. And so my mom essentially grew up here. So I feel like my ancestors kind of called me back to this neighborhood. I also formerly worked for an artist whose studio was located here in Bronzeville. And I was his studio assistant for 16 years. So I spent a lot of time in this neighborhood. And I feel like I was kind of seeding, you know, the way for the growth of my business here. And it, it would be tremendous to leave a legacy of health and wellness here in Bronzeville. Um Really, really tremendous. I, I pray I'll have even even more of an impact on the community as I grow. Aya Nicole Cook, owner and wellness curator of the Haji Healing Salon at 44th and South Cottage Grove in the Bronzeville neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Still to come, a look at the too-close-to-call Chicago mayoral race. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The Chicago municipal runoff elections on April 4th approaching quickly, and the mayoral race is seen as a statistical tie. Here to examine the latest poll numbers is Andy Shaw, former AB C7 political reporter, former head of the Better Government Association, and a WBBM political analyst. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Uh, the latest numbers from this outfit, Victory Research, has Paul Vallis at uh, 46% and change, Brandon Johnson 44%, well within, well within the margin of error and the 9.6 undecided. That's going to decide the race. That's right, but it's all going to be about turnout, Rob, and I think a couple of things are fairly clear. 
turnout tends to be relatively high on the northwest and southwest side among conservative white voters. They will support Vallis overwhelmingly, as will a large portion of white voters, moderates, downtown and near north. So he's got that vote locked in. The real question is what happens among black voters on the south and west sides and Latino voters? They have historically supported the more liberal candidate that would be Brandon Johnson. But Vallis has racked up a lot of endorsements from prominent African-Americans and Latinos, including former Congressman Luis Gutierrez, former Congressman Bobby Rush, and some of his opponents in the primary, including Willie Wilson, who has always polled very well in black communities. So if the black vote is split and Vallis gets even a significant chunk of that, along with Latinos, it's going to be very hard for Brandon Johnson to make up the difference. Maybe that's the 9% undecided we're seeing. I think Vallis still has an edge, but the question is how much. And today, we're reporting that he raised another million dollars from the same business philanthropists who support a lot of causes in Chicago. At the same time, there was a new report out by a private investigative group, very critical of Vallis's handling of finances at the CPS and, and Philadelphia school systems. That study argued that he did all kinds of financial chicanery and trickery to leave those two school systems with huge financial messes after he left. So there's a lot for us to weigh. Finally, Arnie Duncan, former education secretary under Barack Obama, former CPS superintendent and former aide to Vallis, is endorsing his former boss, Paul Vallis. He's been working in the trenches on violence prevention with some of the most dangerous folks in the inner city. He thinks when it comes to policing, Vallis has the best chance of implementing a good plan. And when it comes to schools, he thinks Vallis also has the edge. So there's a lot to weigh heading down the stretch. And I think we're going to have to see how it plays over the next couple of weeks. There's still two more debates, one on Channel 2 next week, one on WBEZ next week. And as we've seen in the past, lots of things can change at the last minute. Andy Shaw, former ABC7 political reporter, former head of the BGA and WBBM political analyst, providing some analysis on the Noon Business Hour this afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.